everyone. Welcome to the full cup. It has been a while. Uh, Baby has listening. Her and fourth hairdo, and it is so amazing. My fourth haircut. Probably since the last time we've talked, you've been through a, a lot of <laughs> awesome hairdos in this one. I'm going really through awesome. an identity crisis. Let's just call it what it is. It looks awesome. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Well, I wouldn't call it a crisis. You have? Do you have a scab? Or a black something. I have a zit. No, Jerk. I'm yes, so sorry. It's so okay. Huge. Well, I can't see from that get part. It? I just see a little black dot. That's so it's scab. just okay. It's just a scab. Yeah. I'll edit that out. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> was that better than dad? I, I was gonna say dad always points out. Yeah, you got oh, a zit got, right there. Are you going? You have a big zit right there. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it was a poppy seed because I ate the rest of the avocado toast from Super Bowl Sunday. Oh yeah, it, that's what it looked like. So yes. I was like, you got a little. I have thing a giant poppy seed. No, it's swollen. The very, you just have a tiny little black dot. That's all. Okay, we're not going to talk about it. I'm a giant white. (laughs) You've got a giant, would you like me to squeeze that (laughs) giant white out of your face? Mm, Anyway, okay, so we are still here. We are not consistent in our production, but we are making episodes and putting them out there. Anyway, I did want to read a review. So let's start with that. Sometimes you don't want to read the good or the bad because it's like, it does affect you. Like if you read a good review, you're like, oh, that feels good. Great. And then if you read a bad one, you're like, oh, my gosh. So it's just kind of better to not ever read them and just, you know, whatever. Who who cares? But um, I know exactly what the two bad ones say. <laughs> It's just imprinted on my mind. Okay, this is from Sagines. We need some bad know. ones anyways, because we, we, perfection, we don't want perfection, right? Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> no, <laughs> we do. I don't know. Okay, good point, good point. It's good to have, um, be put in check. All right, this is from... A mom who is trying January 21st, 2020 realistic therapy. This is therapy that feels attainable and applicable to everyone. I have older teens and young adults, and this is everything I need right now. It's helping me understand that they're in the process of emancipating themselves. I'm learning how to help them do that and trying to remember they don't actually hate me. Oh, good job. I know it is hard to remember that. (laughs) Just part of growing up and the stage you're in. In fact, this weekend I was out of town. I went to New York with my husband and my sister, Rachel, and my other sister, Sarah, and my mom took turns watching my kids. And my sister, Sarah, she picked us up from the airport late Sunday night and she was like, your son is hard. (laughs) I was like... Yeah, he is hard. And she was telling me about how um, my family had a Super Bowl party. So all the kids were over there. And my one little toddler, he's three, was just, you know, being a three-year-old. And and she was like, it's not even that he's hard, but he's three. And that's just the age he's at. And he's very independent. And he's not going to do anything unless he wants to. And was he okay for you? He was great, but he he is very independent. Like... I fed him seven pancakes. He ate seven pancakes. But when my husband went to wash his hands, he was very angry because he does not need help. Yeah. And when I went to put him to bed, he does not need help getting into bed. So he cried for 45 minutes that I helped him get into bed, which I was like, do I get you back out of bed and then let you get back in? But he kept saying to Andy, I not want you. 
I not want you in here. <laughs> very funny. Very three. Uh, very three. Right. Yeah. So mom told me that he was like, I don't like her. I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to not get you to leave. <laughs> when he says his prayers at night, he has his older brother that he shares a room with. And they're actually the closest and play the best together. But when he says his prayers at night, he'll say. And thank you, mom. And thank you, dad. And thank you, Olive. And he's staring at Nash, just <laughs> refusing gonna... <laughs> to say his name. I'm not thank you, Nash. <laughs> and it's just, it's just about, you know, being in control. Actually, I don't even know what the, what, what would, um, who what was would that Freud? Freud. Who, who yes, would Erickson Freud. say this? Yeah. Freud had the stages, right? There, well, there was a couple of them that did, but okay. yeah. But they were delightful. They were good. Delightful, even in the good, independence, good. because we laughed at how we missed that. Yeah, good. Right? I'm glad. Right? glad it was. It was like, but probably laughing and funny because we're like, haha, they're leaving tomorrow, so we don't. Right, really. right. We don't <laughs> so really it's fine care. if it's difficult. All right. Well, okay. So today we're talking about making changes. We kind of started off by talking about how you help a lot of people who maybe are struggling with self-discipline and following through or things like that, which is a form of change and mm-hmm. making change. So how, where do you want to go? How do you want to start? Well, I just, um, and I think we've talked about this in other podcasts, right? But the whole change game, just being aware for the process of what that's going to look like. First of all, I do need to say, if I haven't said before, too much time in your own head is as detrimental as lack of time in your head. Meaning if you're constantly analyzing what you're doing, constantly looking for improvement and change and and can't seem to get outside of your head, that is going to cause you a lot of difficulty. That's not effective mental health either. So as we're talking about looking for change, look for it, be aware of it, be cognizant, have insight, but don't, it should not be going 24 seven. Yeah. That gets exhausting. And I'll hear people talk to me a lot in my office and I, I think, man, did you laugh this week? Right. Did you watch the Kardashians this week? Like, did you do anything outside of being inside yourself? Yeah. Which I think makes you, uh, the phrase you like to use is wobbly because you're not confident in uh-huh. who you are and whether you're right or wrong, who cares? Like, yes. You're also not available for connection. Right. Like if, if you've ever been with someone that's in their head and you're trying to have a conversation with them, they're, they're like, rewriting what they should say and how you're saying it and what your meanings are. And it, it, there's, it's nothing Instead authentic about it. Instead of being able it. to be vulnerable. They're not present. Which yeah. like gives you room for connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of exhausting. Um, then the next thing I wanted to talk a little bit about that I, I've noticed, and I think I've said this before, that there are themes that kind of roll through my office, depending on what people are there for. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the stars are aligning, but there will be like a general theme that hits mm-hmm. that runs for a few weeks through all people. But making sure that you get to label your experience and your feelings for what they are. I've shared that I had anxiety. That's what brought me to this field of study. And I would say to you that my anxious, my anxiety manifested itself very, very similarly, if not almost exactly like excitement. Mm -hmm. So when I think back on Christmas, birthdays, uh, parties, sleepovers, all the things that I felt like were ruined from anxiety were actually me being excited, but it felt so similar to anxiety that I thought it was the same. And I just gave it up to anxiety. 
because when I'm excited about something, when I was little and found out my family was going to Lagoon or my cousins were in town and we got to go to Lagoon, I, my heart was pounding, my hands would get sweaty and I, I couldn't breathe and I'd have butterflies and I would be so excited mm-hmm. for that moment until it turned into exactly what it looked like when I'd have an anxiety attack. I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing. My hands would get sweaty. And therefore I kind of gave up all of my experience to anxiety. I kind of handed it over to it. So you weren't happy about going? No. So, so suddenly I was excited to go and suddenly it'd be like, Oh no, I have have an anxiety attack. I don't want to go to Lagoon. I hate Lagoon. And Christmas, right? (laughs) Like laying there. I'm so excited for presents. I'm so excited for Santa. And then it would be like, I'm not excited. I'm scared. I can't believe I'm scared. dude. I'm going to ruin Christmas for everyone. My anxiety is showing up. And I was just quickly to kind of hand it over mm-hmm. instead of just getting to label what it is that I was feeling. Hold on. You're excited. I also wasn't mature enough to make this distinguish decision, right? But helping ourselves now and those, if we have small children, identify the difference. It feels same, but this also could be excitement. So let's, let's label it for what yeah, it is. Yeah, that's let's a good, I to- like that because- like when we went out of town and I was telling my kids a couple of days before, hey, we're going out of town. You're going to have sleepovers. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. Olive, my daughter, loves staying with her cousins. And all of a sudden she was like, what? Really? And kind of got excited. And then I went in her room two minutes later and she's bawling at her pillow. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I thought you were excited. Well, I'm going to miss you. And, and of course she is going to miss us. But yeah. I'm sure it could also have been a the connection there. Yeah. those emotions. Even as a mom, when you leave, aren't you like so excited that when it comes down to it, you're excited, but then your stomach's also like turning and you're mm-hmm. like, am I excited? Am I nervous? Yeah. Maybe my kids. And, um, so use your, your choice, your empowerment to say, I'm going to choose this as excitement. Mm-hmm. See if it changes anything. Don't be so quick to hand it over what feels uh, you know, like, because talking about neural pathways, especially if you have one that's very strong in anxiety, it's very easy to kind of hand things over to that because it's the loudest, strongest voice. Mm-hmm. But taking back that choice and saying, actually, I'm really excited yeah. and they can be the same. The next thing when opening the window for change is keeping your perspective on the change, not the end result. Mm-hmm. So if you're hoping to implement change of behavior, create difference in your life, that does not always mean that it's going to be rainbows and ponies or happy or effective out the gate. And so that can be really discouraging when you're seeking change. Like, okay, I'm not going to let my husband's behavior warrant my response. Mm -hmm. He's getting mad and I'm sitting over here not getting mad. And you're thinking... If I do I'll this, talk. then we'll get along better yeah. or something. And then, or th- I came up with an alternative truth. It didn't matter. And he kept going. And then 10 minutes later, we were screaming and yelling at each other again. And we were no better off. That's not true because for those two minutes or even 30 seconds, you open the window for change. Mm-hmm. And even though the end result may not have been where you wanted it to be yet, and the yet may be a long ways away. Make sure you're celebrating yourself for that moment that you are creating the opportunity for something different. And even if the difference is 1% different, mm-hmm. that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Because it, it was you creating space to say, hold on, something can be different here. And the more you engage in that, the, the easier, more space it's going to create, the more availability it's going to create for you to access it. 
Okay. Another thing about change that I want to talk about, and this has been true in our home right now because I have, I only have one son and actually I shouldn't say this is just with boys. Gosh, sorry, I'm stereotyping, but I have one son that is involved in sports and loves it. I also have a daughter that's involved in sports and loves it, but this is becoming very evident in my house right now. And this is the idea behind willpower. And I I guess I'm saying that because I recognize coaches use of motivation Mm -hmm. and even the way as a society, we talk about willpower where there's a will, there's a way, mm-hmm. right? If you, you can do and be anything you want, if you put your mind to it. Yeah. And I'm finding that phrase to be really annoying and frustrating for me because there is some truth behind that. If you have tools, right? But if I were to say to you today, Libby, I have the willpower to go run a marathon right now. Keep in mind, I have not ran since like November. Yeah. And I went home and got on my shoes and went out and proceeded to run a marathon. And I had the will to do it. Do you think I'd be able to do it? No. No. Why? Well, (laughs) (laughs) because um, I have trained for many marathons and still killed myself during the process. Okay. Even though you, right, you have the willpower. You could maybe walk. Yeah, I could walk it, <laughs> but if miles. maybe, yeah. and even though I have the will and the desire, I don't have the tools or the preparation and to do it. You'll injure yourself or you'll, yeah, it'll bring a lot of negative. Yeah. And the biggest negative thing that I'm seeing happen with people with this mentality is somehow worthiness gets affected because yeah. my willpower, I must not have good enough willpower. I must not be strong enough because I chose to not use again Mm -hmm. and I used, or I chose to not purge again. And I, and I had the willpower not to do it, but I did. I chose to not yell. I'm going to use all the willpower I can to not yell. And I yelled Mm -hmm. and somehow it's like, I, I don't care enough. I didn't try hard enough. My heart wasn't in it. Maybe I don't want change. Maybe I can't do it instead of going, I don't have the tools. Right to assist my willpower in helping me become effective. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It, whatever it is you're dealing with, it doesn't classify you as something less than. Yeah. Because you can't do it. Right. Because it's hard. But, but we hear that so often if you just want it bad enough. And, and I'll, I'll hear this a lot when I talk with families with, Um, clients that are struggling with addiction, right? Well, if they just loved us more, Mm -hmm. if they cared for us more, they could make a choice to, again, putting it all in there. They don't care enough. They don't love enough. Their willpower isn't strong enough versus they need some tools Mm -hmm. to help them open the ability to choose to see things differently than how they're seeing them now, to attach to things differently, to feel safe or vulnerable, different different tools that would help them in, in correlation with willpower become more effective. But it's not this just idea that if you just want it bad enough, I, mean, I guess there are those few that, that can pull that out, but for the majority of people, I don't see that as a success and then it affects their worthiness. Yeah, well, it is hard because there are those people who do do it. I will see someone who gives something up or something that would be really hard and makes just like this huge change forever. And it's like, oh, I want to do that. What? Really? How'd you do that? How? And also that person, it's almost like they're manic the opposite way. 
Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if they had a problem with eating, for example, and then one day they're like, I'm never going to binge again. And then for 10 years, they eat salads 10 times a day and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I know people who really have done things like that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be like you. How can I be like, how can I? And then I'm like, wait, I can't compare myself to that because that's not, that's not me for one. And maybe that's, I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, also, yeah, as an outsider, you're judging the journey based on what you can see and you're, you're rating it good or bad. Yeah. You don't know what their connection is to salad. You don't know what they're doing when they're right. at home. You don't right. know. And I, actually, I would say to you that I am aware of, of many people that have been praised in, in media for different things and changes they've made that when they're in my office say it's a lie. Mm-hmm. People don't see that this is actually the truth behind that change. Yeah. And so, um, so somehow deeming people are more worthy or stronger or better because they're able to just use willpower to make a change. I, I rarely see that that stands alone by itself, right. that it's based strictly on willpower. And, and willpower, as they utilize it, may help them develop different tools and find ways to become more effective or, or they're more engaged. They use the willpower to have a desire to look deeper or, or yeah. um, broader for answers. But making sure that we don't hold that judgment against ourselves because there is a big worthiness issue that comes in with change. People that want change are afraid what it's going to look like. If they can't make it, somehow think they're not worthy for it or they're not worthy until they can make it. And that goes back to we have to build a belief of value within ourselves. I think that makes change more accessible. So if you're using things that damage that, it's actually harder. Okay. Okay. And then that leads me to the next idea to talk about changes, making sure that we have self-compassion. And I talk about that a lot, but I think it, it seems so easy that people aren't quick to hang on to it. Um, self, Oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. No worries. But there isn't much of a plan or institution of it. They just kind of hope that it happens. Um, but change is hard. Change is difficult. All the things that we talk about on the at least the podcast that I've been and I would say even for my dad, we say things really like sing song, like, and then you just, and you do this and then you do this. And it sounds really sing song, like it's easy and it's not. And change is, is one of the hardest things, changes in behavior, change in perspective, changing patterns is very, very difficult. And so making sure that you're having compassion for yourself. And I think I've said this before, but being on point all the time, it's like overcharging a battery. If you put a battery charger on a battery and you left it on there, mm-hmm. it would destroy the battery. It would melt down the battery. You have to take it off, use the battery, drain it down, and then you recharge it again. And there's no need. To me, people think, well, if I lose that motivation, I may never find it again. Where I think when you actually show yourself you're valuable enough, you're it's easier to find the motivation. So how do you actually... You make a plan. Be more compassionate. Yeah. If so you, give me an if example. If you have to make that. a plan or set a boundary over just <laughs> implementing something, because I will say it's going to be different for everyone. I was talking about this with a client today, and he said, So, like going to the gym is self compassion. And I said, Well, it can be, but it depends. If you're at the gym, so I liken my, my experience to the gym and my husband's experience to the gym. When I go to the gym, I do have compassion because I set my level on the bike at like a four. I don't break a sweat and I listen to John Denver and I think about how happy I am to be alive. When my husband leaves the gym and I'm not judging this right or wrong. I'm just saying the difference in self-compassion. He's there because he has motivation to change his body. So he is lifting so hard. He's going to throw up. He can't move for a week afterwards and busting his butt. Now, 
to me, that's being on point. He's on point. He's striving. He's working. He's disciplined. He's doing all of that while he's there. To me, that's not the compassion. The compassion is saying, I can sit for, so that's why I'm saying it can look different for everybody. It could be, I'm going to sit in my pajamas and watch the Kardashians Yeah, uh, because it's mindless. I've shared with you on here. I think part of my self-care used to be, I would go to Target on Mondays and walk the aisles yeah. and I wouldn't buy anything, but I just wanted to see stuff, touch stuff, pretty stuff, not yeah. anything that had feelings, not anything that was in marital conflict, not anyone <laughs> that was, um, you know, not eating. Yeah. I, I didn't have to hear any of that. It was like, look at this beautiful plush towel. Right. Look at this yeah. copper mug. Yeah. How beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That to Get me was compassion head. because it took me away from what I exist in a lot during the yeah. week that can be wearing on me. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. And I think it's cool that you recognized that that would be a good thing. Like I'm sitting here thinking, I don't even know because I don't know how to have self-compassion because if I watch TV, which I love to do, I feel like crap after because it's like, I just sat here and did nothing. Ah, why do you feel crap? (laughs) Let me, but this is really good, right? Because there's also a worthiness aspect to earning self-compassion. Yeah. Like it's very easy to say, oh, I did this. So now I'm going to do this. Yeah. But do you feel like because of who you are, the things that you do throughout the day that you show love to yourself, how do you show love to yourself? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay. And I would say if you don't know, investigate it. Yeah. Figure it out. Try something to go. Well, because people will tell you. I mean, gosh, I think that's what Instagram is. Like, this is what you should be doing in your life. This right. is what you should be doing. And you try it on and you go, yeah, that made me feel good. Or no, that made me more stressed because then I yeah. was worried about this. So trying on different ways to be compassionate for yourself. And a good example of this is talking about our dad's healing process with a stroke. And I actually had a client today that gave me great insight on that because we were talking about cognitive repair for addicts. Mm-hmm. right? And, and creating space for their brain to rewire when it's been damaged from addiction. And, and this was very, I felt very, this like fascinated me. I, oh gosh, but it, it connected with the experience our dad is going through and healing his brain. And the doctors have said to him, they wanted him to do physical therapy, different kinds of therapy, but they did actually brain therapy, mm-hmm. cognitive therapy on him and said, you know, you need to meditate five minutes every hour. Mm-hmm. You need to take naps. If you've had a headache or your brain becomes fuzzy, that is your brain signaling to you that is overstimulated, right? Yeah. And that you, or you've exhausted it and its ability to find rewiring around the damage that has happened has become more difficult unless you give it the space to create that. And that is going to require very specific boundaries. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. In order for his brain to heal, and I'm saying for us, as we're trying to make change, it is important for us to heal. But if we are in the mode, and and I think my dad even coming out the gate was like, I'm going to heal, heal, heal. I'm going to plan this, this, and this, and this, and this to right. heal. And they were like, no, you need to actually give yourself some space to recover so you can be more effective moving forward in mm-hmm. healing. Yeah. And so his five minute meditations an hour or his naps, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 30 minute naps twice a day or whatever, those were really good boundaries they gave him. Mm-hmm. to say, this is what are things, these are things that would help. But I would say for you and in life, as you're making change, what are the things that gives you that moment to recharge, to give you the motivation to get back to moving forward? <laughs> I literally could not answer that question. Like I would say exercise, I feel good, but right now I'm not in a place where I'm exercising to feel good. I'm like your husband. I'm like, mm. I'm going here because I need to, because I 
yeah, I just like need to take better care of my body and I need to get in better shape. And it's not like, okay, ah, I'll go exercise for myself to feel good. Okay. No. Okay. So what's something else it could be? And, and let me ask you this. I asked you a question that I'm going to jump over the top of you before you answer, but think about that. Compassion for yourself is existing in love for yourself. And to do so, I think you have to be comfortable with who you are and recognize your value and your worthiness to love yeah. who you are. And when you can access that, I actually feel like the motivation for change becomes even greater Yeah, because you're happy about who you are or happy about you just loving yourself. Yeah. So I don't know. Tell me what are some things if you were to think about it? <sighs> that what? For self-compassion. <laughs> I mean, what makes you laugh? Um, TV okay. makes me laugh. Yeah, I love. So that's kind of like a compromise I'll do. Like, I'll be like, well, I need to get all this laundry done. So I'll wash a bunch of laundry and sit on the couch and fold it and watch TV. And that, uh, I just feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> Go ahead. That's what people love you about you, Libby, is your realness. Uh and her passion. It's so dumb. Gosh, I just want to like not cry, but apparently I'm going to like blame it. I think I'm going to start my period today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like, uh, this is so funny because <laughs> I call you and I'm like, Want to record a podcast today thinking like, let's, um, yeah, let's talk about this and I need to get one out. And then it's like, oh my hell, this is so intense. And I feel so many things. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but. But it's good. I need it. It's so, good. Yeah, it's good. I need it. Um, But I just feel, <sighs> let me try and speak normal without your voice shaking. Um, That. My life, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not, I don't think about it. I just do it because it has to be done. So I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about how I can get everything done and try to be a good mom and get everyone where they need to be and taken care of and then get in bed and veg out by yeah just watching tv or whatever so there's not time in there to think about and if there was time which there is time to think about like oh take care of yourself love yourself I would just be wasting my life sitting on my phone being numb, you know, not yeah, having to think no. or feel anything. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. The avoidance of feeling, is it because feeling is hard? Um, well, no, because I love, like, I love to be passionate and I love to, like, I feel like I, I am very, what do we call it? We don't call it emotional. We call, oh, we call it passion. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I do like that. Like I like to feel big feelings and I like to feel love and I like to, you know, feel how beautiful the sky is outside or whatever. So I can really get into things like that and take a minute and feel that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's more or in, than anything, just like a habit. Okay. It's not like I'm trying to 
avoid something or not. Okay. It's just a habit. Good. Well, and I, when you said, I just, it sounded like survival mode. I'm just getting through what I have yeah. to do before I can crash. And maybe it can start with relabeling the crash into this is going to be my Libby time. Right. And, and that's why like, when I say I will just fold laundry and watch TV and that's my time. That sounds so effing depressing. Like <laughs> that's what I do. And who am I comparing myself to? Well, I say that's depressing because I'm thinking about in a world, but really my life is amazing. I mean, we live in the United States of America. We have every freedom we could ever want. I can crack open a Diet Coke and put a lime in it. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. There are places that don't have running water. So I cannot complain about folding laundry and watching TV, but it does sound lame also, when you spend your day on the, your phone, looking yeah. at everyone else's life. It, well, well, and also what I hear you doing is you're combining self-care, which if that's all you have access to, but when you said, no, I actually have access to more, I am, I'm still connecting um, self-care with being on point. I, I'm getting my laundry done, but is yeah. there, and, and don't think that when I say this, I'm saying you have to take an extended amount of time. I know for me, there was a time in my life where it was like, I wake up 10 minutes before my family because I need 10 minutes to myself. Yeah. If I can have 10 minutes to myself, then I'm much more prepared and energized to give. Once I've yeah. given to myself, I have it to give to others. But when I didn't have it, I woke up immediately felting people were taking from me and I hadn't yet filled up to give. Yeah. And then I was kind of ticked off about it. Yeah. Like I didn't get my moment. And, and again, I said that was a time in my life because it changes right. um, what that's going to look like. But that, that compassion of saying yesterday I came home, we went to lunch with my sister. My weekend felt a little bit crazy, but we went to lunch for my sister's birthday. I came home and I got in bed and I watched a movie. I put on my pajamas and it was great. And, and there was a lot that needed to be done in my house, but I felt the weight of it and the weight from the weekend. And so I thought I'm going to lay here. I'm going to watch this, give myself some love, some rest, some compassion. And once it was over, I was able to get up and, yeah. and I, I identified it for what it is. It wasn't, I should be get up and doing something. I, I'm late. It was a conscious choice to show myself some compassion and love yeah, by letting cool. myself have some downtime. I hadn't felt it last week was a crazy week. So I hadn't felt it in a while mm -hmm. in an extended period of time. And then what was great is I was, excited to do what we did the rest of the night because I had felt fed, yeah yeah replenished cool. I like that because that's for sure when I do feel that way it does make it easier to get you know the crazy hours from three to six with your three to ten yeah. I guess for you your kids don't have a bedtime but no they well that's what's so funny I still try to give my kids bedtimes because my like from it used to be my from like nine to 10 was like mine and my husband's time. And now yeah. that my kids are older, I'm like, what the heck are you guys still doing here? Even though like I'm yeah. telling my 17 year old, you need to be in bed at nine. Not really. She yeah. just laughs in my face. But finding that time because you're acknowledging your value, you're saying I'm important enough that I, I get to care for myself. Mm -hmm. And when you can connect with that care, I believe it's easier to then access your love and motivation for change for yeah. life for all of that it doesn't feel like because I will tell you some people are afraid to let compassion in for fear they will lose their motivation oh like I'm on point sure. on point on for point sure. if you if you break that up I might lose it and never get it back and I will tell you good luck because that will that will work for a while until your body starts to go uh-uh 
-hmm. no more. And then I will see a couple things. People usually then amp it up even more. I'm going to add more, put more restrictions, more expectations to try to get myself back on track when really yourself is just saying, give me a break, give Mm -hmm. me a breather. I'm happy to work with you, but I need and some. And then see, and I feel like I have done things like that. And I'm I'm thinking only of my physical body. So with exercising and diet and whatever, where I have to go, 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 and I'll and give yourself more restrictions and crash. Okay. I don't go to the gym for four months. Mm-hmm. And I really don't get back on where I was. So it is scary to stop. But I guess if maybe I just had more balance in the beginning. Yes. And and changing because I will say this and this isn't meant in a judgment, but me and my husband joke about this all the time because he hates to go to the gym. I love to go to the gym. But I said the reason why I loved but he jokes and says the reason why you love to go to the gym is because you don't do anything at the gym. (laughs) And I'm like, I you're right. I sit around and feel good about myself. Yeah. Awesome. He goes and kills himself. And and maybe I'm not going to get the reward that he's looking for while he's there, but that I don't need that at the gym. I need my downtime. I need yeah. a disconnect. I need light, fun, frivolous music, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a light breeze blowing on me as I'm kind of <laughs> Where moving. Where did you come from? <laughs> uh, a, I did not understand A heavy, this. heavy state of living the other way for so long. That's why I tell okay. you, not just clinically, but personally, like not just from a professional perspective, personally, you will overcharge your battery. Yeah. And you will learn that when it stops becoming effective for you and your yeah. body says no more. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the change of living out of choice and out of fear. I choose to go. Now there are times when I will go and actually work hard or run or, or do things that I desire. Yeah. You know, if I, if I need a physical burn or something like that, but really trying to be in tune to my intuitive needs of myself saying, boy, I'm really feeling heavy from last week. What can I do Mm -hmm. to regroup? Um, How can I show myself? Take a breath, take it easy. Same thing I would tell you if you called me and said, that's an easy way to access it. When you're like, how do I do it? Well, what would you tell me to do? If I called you, Libby, and said, last week, I'm just burnt. I have been running and spinning and I am exhausted and there's Mm -hmm. so much to do. I have laundry, I have work, I have my house, I've got bills, I've got all of this stuff. What would you tell me to do? Yeah, I'd tell you, let's go to lunch and or go do something else and relax. Or and go to it was, is it easier for you to say it to me than it is to say to yeah. yourself? Oh, for yeah. sure. Well, I'm today I was on Marco Polo with a group of my mom friends where we talk about kids and hard things. And my girlfriend got on and she has three little boys. The oldest one is four years old, I believe. And it's just really hard. And she's just like, my boys are being so naughty. And you can just hear them screaming in the background. And she's like, I just, I have to get out of my house, but I can't reward them right now because they're being so naughty. And every person got on and was like, get out of your house. It's not about them. It's about you. They're not going to remember if you disciplined them or took them to McDonald's or whatever, take care of yourself. And then a few hours later, she got back on and she's like, I went to McDonald's. Like she, you could just see her mood had lifted and was changed. Yeah. I see. I I like that. I like when someone else allows me to do (laughs) that because because it's hard to do it for yourself. It really is. And I love that's why we need to do it and share that we're doing it, not be ashamed of it, but be empowered through it so that we can help empowered others. I remember get out of your head like you were saying earlier. I remember doing this when my kids were still young, like some not even in school and realizing, okay, I'm running. I tend to run hot. 
I'm exhausting myself. And I can remember putting my kids in the jogger and saying to them, you don't get to talk to me. Like we're going, I'm going on a run and I'm not going to listen to you and you can't talk to me because this is my time. And they were looking at me like, and I actually think my neighbor was behind me and I was like, I know you think I'm rude, but sorry. Cause, <laughs> cause then I was running and one of them was like, Hey mom, Hey mom. And I was like, Hey, now don't what did I say? say you don't get to talk to me. <laughs> I get 10 minutes of you not, or, or you can talk to me, but I'm turning my music so I won't respond. Yeah. And I knew they would be safe. Right. But the existence of just running as a young mom and little kids around in my house and not feeling connected and having time for my thoughts and my brain. Yeah. I put them in a stroller, turn on music really loud. And if I looked down and saw their mouths were moving, I just looked the other way and ran mm -hmm. and then ran home and was like, okay, now what did you need to tell me? <laughs> uh, which is also great because it's showing kids it's teaching that. I mean, there's so much that comes from that patience. Like, right. It's not yes. immediate. Mom's not there immediately to meet your needs. You yeah. can wait. Self-soothing. Yes. All of those things. Yeah. But, I like that. Cool. So becoming, I'll just say it again. It's, it's more than just a hope. It takes, if you have to make a plan. Now I shouldn't say have to, yeah. if you choose to make a plan well, to make it effective and don't make it. I had a client that I said to her like 10 minutes a week, which may sound like, well, what's that going to do? Mm -hmm. But at least, even if it starts out with that, if you can learn to make that effective, I would dare guess it will grow or bleed into another day or another. But if you're saying, no, I have absolutely nothing. If you don't have 10 minutes a week or five minutes a week, just try five minutes of your week and see what was different when you did it. Mm -hmm. Again, the success isn't in the change and how amazing it's going to be, but opening the door to introduce it and growing it to become more effective for yeah. you yeah. in your life. I think it's good to have a planner to write it down. I mean, because... I feel like when we talked about yellow and finding yellow, um, it was kind of just like something I hadn't thought of. And again, like what we're talking about today, it's just mindfulness. I know that's such a trendy word right now. <laughs> I'm really hip and end with the trendy words. Um, but it is important and and you forget or I forget or I get distracted and just having this conversation today I'm like okay yes Libby do think about this put it implement yeah. it but it is easy to forget and easy to it's like um if you're taking piano lessons and you have to practice the piano every day you have someone there to make sure you do it and sometimes you don't and you forget and your lesson comes up the next week and you haven't done a thing so yeah, somehow, maybe I just need a little reminder on my phone. Yeah. Ding. Well, and all of all of the stuff we talk about on here are nuggets or tools for you to put in this imaginary toolbox to pull out. Yeah. But I also will hear people that will come in and say, boy, I've been listening to your podcast and every day I'm da, 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 da. we do this and this and this and this and this. And again, this goes back to make sure you're getting out of your head, right? This yes. is the, the nugget that I'm telling you to help you get out of your head is self-compassion. It's all of this stuff that we talk about on here is not meant to be done all day long, every day combined with each other. It's like, right. okay, what are some of these things that could be helpful for me today that I might be able to use? Learning to implement them, but giving yourself the space to also say, just love yourself. Yeah. Just feel good. Yeah. Feel good for you. Find something that makes you laugh or, or whatever makes you feel connected and exist in it so that you can regroup and find motivation for your day. Yeah. That's cool because 
well, it just kind of goes back to the perfectionist right? uh, perspective. And, and here are all of these tools that you can use if you choose to. And if you don't, cool. Right. And right. if you do today and you don't tomorrow, cool. And um, yeah, do have compassion for yourself because oh, that's hard. Anyway. Yeah. I not want her here. I hate her. <laughs> what? Okay, go ahead. I have to go, go pee, pee and poo. poo. <laughs> he does not like help with pee or poo either. Uh, all right. Anything else? No, that was it. Hey, perfect. Little, I mean, that's a lot. We reviewed stuff that we've talked about. Um, well, I like it. I don't before, think we have. Yeah, I mean, we we talked a little bit about that from a different perspective. I mean, the word that comes to mind is like grace. Is that yeah. have grace for yourself or Be love. courteous to yourself? Did people have any questions? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hold on. We did have a question. I'm glad you said that. Okay, so this you can answer this, but it's related to dad. This is from a good friend of ours. Uh, we'll call her Liz because that's her name. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone knows a Liz out there. Um, okay. Hi there. Just listen to the Deeper Pathways episode. Will you ask your dad if there's a process or even the need of it to get free from yourself? Like forgiving yourself for mistakes and the dumb stuff we all do then ultimately be able to love yourself once you are free from yourself. It sounds crazy, but popped in my head while listening. Thanks. Not crazy at all. Yeah. Are you kidding? I actually, I would say most chair or gestalt work that I do in my office involves putting some level of yourself in that chair, whether it's of expectation of uh, failure, of fear, whatever it is, getting to, to know First of all, validating what you're feeling about that, getting to um, kind of understand that part of yourself, what it means to you, and then finding resolve and reconciliation. Not crazy at all. Did it ask if there was a need to do it? Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Well, I feel like that kind of coincides with what we've talked about today a little bit. Just... Yeah. Um, being easier on yourself and allowing room. Yes. And if you use Craig's four steps of freedom, right, where we talk about acknowledging and then feeling the emotion that's connected to it. And then I would tell you getting to know what's motivating that part of yourself that's difficult. Yeah. Spending time understanding that helps you find the resolve. It finds helps you find insight and empathy for yourself in the journey, which then leads you to the resolve. So I would say Yes. Yeah, that was a really good question. Yeah, great question. I agree. I mean, and I, I don't even know that it's something I've thought of, but it, I feel it. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I it's, need to do that. Well, it's great, too, because it can compartmentalize you as a person, which can help take away flaw, character flaw. When you can split and say, like, uh, I have a part of myself that is, I don't know, very, very hard on myself or very mean. If I put my mean self in the chair and I talk to him and say, well, I'm not going to let what you say mess with me anymore. I'm not. And if I can do that, then I can love you. It's actually, it's you. So you're learning how to love all of you, yeah. but it's also getting to kind of detach and see it as something different, which gives you insight and perspective that you may not get otherwise, which gives it meaning. So then moving to that. And 
if I can do that, I can actually be grateful for you because of what you're teaching me. So, whoa, that's so deep. powerful. Yes. Good job, Liz. We love you. And I know you're like, which Liz? Because we, <laughs> we all know, know seven Lizzes. Yeah. That's why Libby goes by Libby. <laughs> it's actually for me. <laughs> you d- you disguised your name as Liz because none of us would know. <laughs> Is it Liz Die? Uh, it's Liz Die. Liz Die one. Awesome. Um, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you when we see you. Bye.